Hello and welcome to this season review episode of The Final Whistle with me, Daniel Watterson, reflecting on Hibs' 2017-18 SPFL season that's seen us finish fourth in the league with a record points total since the introduction of the 12-team league, some famous wins, some famous banners, incredible entertainment and most importantly a European spot for us next season. James and I will talk through our highlights of the season in absolutely no order whatsoever. We'll look ahead to Europe and give some early predictions for next season. There's a short quiz to test your knowledge of the campaign and throughout we'll listen back to some of Cliff Pike and John Stevens' best moments commentating on Hibs TV this campaign. Starting now with some of the highlights from July through to the start of October. Fraser Murray, Murray into the feet of Simon Murray now. He's taken on his man, it's gone to Fraser Murray. Murray with a low shot! From about 10 yards out and it's now 2-0 to Bernian. 22 minutes gone here and it's the two Murrays combining. Hibernian 2, Montrose 0. It's gone to John McGinn on this left-hand side who crosses it in. It's been headed down there and it's Ryan Porches rising highest. He's headed the ball down into the ground and it bounces over the dive of Ricky Gomez. What a moment that is for the young man getting his first goal for Hibernian on his second competitive start. McGinn forward now into the path of Martin Ball who turns, he's taking on Flanagan and he gets across in towards the back, there's Simon Murray what a header that was there from Simon Murray in the 80th minute he's attacking the ball from about 8 yards out, headed it back across the goal and it's gone in off the inside of the post, Neil Parry left with absolutely no chance there what a cross from Boyle and what a header from Simon Murray, Aloha Athletic nil, Hibernian free Simon Murray up against Thomas Cherney from the penalty spot Murray right footed lovely finish just to the goalkeeper's left as Thomas Cherney goes to his right and after 51 minutes Hibs 3, Thistle 1 yard line, Stevenson bowls it in, finds Slivka Slivka's shot, it's in the back of the net from right on the D and Hibs have a 3-1 lead here at Ibrox Vikinta Slivka, what a finish, John. McGinn for Hibs, far edge of the 18 yard box. McGinn shoots again, and it's in the back of the net again from John McGinn. What a finish from John McGinn. Left footed, absolutely blasted into the roof of the net beyond Craig Gordon. And after 76 minutes, it's Celtic 1, Hibernian 2. Parker cuts back outside his man. Goes for the byline, flicks it into Simon Murray, skips through his man, chance for Murray, great save, the keeper couldn't get it, it's in the back of the net from Simon Murray. McLaughlin looked as though he had got enough on it, Keith to knock over the crossbar, but he could only push it into the roof of the net. And after just three minutes, Simon Murray gives Hibs the lead in the Edinburgh Derby. Hibs won, Hearts nil. Right, James, we are in Easter Road. The dust has well and truly settled on the season. We now know that we are in Europe. That is confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that St Mirren and Livingston are joining us next season. We've lost Ross County and Partick Thistle. A um, couple of weeks on, how, how are your reflections on the season we've just had at Hibs? I think it's been a fantastic season. I think I said this, um, you know, after the Rangers game, and it's possibly the most exciting season I can remember. Um, being in the top flight and being a Hibs fan, um, there's obviously been some fantastic seasons where we've achieved uh, some great things. You know, under Alex McLeish, um, under Tony Mowbray, winning the cup um, in my lifetime certainly. Um, but I think this, just for sheer excitement, from August through to May, or from July through to May. Um, you know, for all of the chaos that happened on the pitch and off it and on the sideline 
and sometimes when it was moved to the stand um you know it's just been fantastic to be a part of it's been a fantastic season to be a fan of Scottish football as a wider um you know thing it's just been it's been brilliant and um I'm genuinely quite excited for next season now yeah it's the first time probably, probably the first time since last season but it's not very often a football season finishes and you're itching for it to get back yeah. the last two is both the last couple of Saturdays we've maybe had cup finals to enjoy but there's no hubs and it's like the, the World Cup almost feels like a letdown yeah. compared to this season <laughs> the else. World Cup is getting nothing on the Europa League it first round qualifiers it uh, it's just it's just filler for that so I think to to break down this season review podcast instead of doing the whole grading system I thought we would just go for maybe a dozen or so questions to try and jog your memory and get other people's memories going so I will I'll roll to one question to open it up so your performance of the season as well as your result of the season oh god well um, I think we're quite guilty um, over the past nine or ten months or whatever it's been of after every brilliant performance or certainly I've been guilty of saying it's our best performance of the yeah. season um, I have that tendency to get overexcited a bit in terms of performance I think obviously the two wins away at Ibrox were fantastic um, particularly the uh, the 2-1 um, <clears throat> obviously being without a defence really um, <laughs> with a, a squad that still wasn't settled after the, the January uh, transfer window still had a lot of new additions um, going up against a powder keg atmosphere at, at Ibrox and one that was a result that was unexpected. I think it's it's a really weird game that um, when you look back at it, uh, the one in in February um, compared to the one in in August. Yeah, uh, the one in August almost felt like you know we weren't going into the game favourites, but we were very confident certainly going into it. Um, that second one in February was was a bit odd because I don't think you know I think the confidence was still there, but building up to kick off it maybe wasn't quite as as strong as it once. Uh, as it once had been, um, we then go out and put out a you know heroic display um, and, and win two one. Um, the f- five all game at the end of the season again, you know, another fantastic one. Um, it's obviously brilliant to to win any of the derbies. Um, we also had a fantastic result here against Aberdeen uh, shortly after that that Rangers game as well. Um, but for me, I think the one that really stood out was the the two one win here against Celtic. Um, that for you know in terms of keeping me engrossed in a game of football and, and keeping me interested for 90 minutes you know that was fantastic um i thought our performance was was brilliant uh, against what is a very good celtic team um i think everybody or everybody in a green and white shirt that day um you know everybody wearing a hip shirt that day um went above and beyond the what was expected of them um and and you know dug in and put in a performance that I think we could be proud of and you know we're going up against the the champions of Scotland there and played them off the park. Um, it's one of those where you kind of look at it and go two one probably flatter Celtic a little bit. Yeah, uh, I thought we were brilliant in that game. I, I pretty much agree with you. I, for me, performance was Celtic because I think it's easily forgotten now that Celtic were expected to win the league yeah. that day they, they thought they just had to, well they maybe didn't think they just had to turn up but I think those watching on TV and those in the away end thought they just had to turn up win the league and that would be that and Hibs just it, it wasn't just the fact that Hibs beat them Hibs outplayed them for, from start to finish mm. um, so that would be my best <coughs> performance in terms of result 
I would probably go with the two one win at Ibrox. Um, the 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 moment of walking into that stadium and being greeted by Darren McGregor and Paul Hanlon, suited and out injured, was one where collectively yeah. five or six of us in the Hibs TV team looked at each other and thought words that we can't say on this podcast. <laughs> and then when it came to actually predicting the lineup, nobody knew. Um, mm. We had remember the whole the journalist we shall not name who was sitting next to us who didn't have a clue about any of the Hibs players he turned around his colleague and said that Hibs were going to get pumped um, I thought Marvin Bartley was going to play centre back I think Cliff thought Martin Boyle was going to play right back Lewis Stevenson ended up playing centre half which no one expected I think solidifying his position as the greatest centre half of all yep. time in the- that was just an incredible result um, not necessarily the most complete Hibs performance um, but result wise that was that was one that, that stuck out for me it, it was and it was an exciting game of football to watch as well and it's one of those where I think looking back it's it's exciting to be in the stadium and I know you know there's what 800, 900 um, fans of, of that particular club um, who were in the, the stadium that day, um, <laughs> um, but it's one of those where I think people remember that game and remember that result and that day for a long time because it was such a brilliant performance from a team that probably wasn't expected to win, um, given that we're playing our, our first choice left back and a teenager at centre half, um, you know, both of whom were outstanding in the game. I think the manner of of getting all three points. Um, and the way we did it in, in going 2-1 up yeah, moments losing, after losing Brandon Barker in the first yeah, five exactly. minutes um, it was almost like everything was playing against us um, and yet we still came out with, with three points and I think that's almost been the story of the season Is this is a, the first Hibs team I can remember in quite a while that's got that ability to grind out three points from one point or grind out one point from you know a position where it doesn't look like we're going to get anything um, you know to to go back to a few of the, the other games this season, we didn't touch. I know I've talked about the other the win against Celtic here, but the two all against Celtic here. Um, although for maybe 75, 80 minutes, we looked second best. That last 10 minutes of that game were probably more exciting than just about any yeah. other game I've, I've watched this season because it was just end to end. It was thrilling. Um, we were Mikel Lustig's boot away from ending Celtic's unbeaten run and winning 3 2. Um, I nearly lost my mind when Ollie Shaw hit that shot. Well, <laughs> I wonder if through the wonders of technology at this point I could just drop in the Hibs TV commentary where it was one of the few times that I went with, that helped out with Cliff on commentary yeah. and the noise that I made when Ollie Shaw... I, it was an incredible I noise. I think it, only dogs could really <laughs> understand what was going on at that moment. Ambrose whips the ball in, Stokes goes for it with Gordon, oh. he's filled that chance! Oh. It's a brilliant clearance from Suminovitz! Off the line, in fact, it was Lustig that cleared it. Ollie Shaw looked like he'd put the ball in the net. From there, Celtic then went up the other end. And I just watched the highlights of this just a couple of weeks ago. And you forget how good a chance Scott Sinclair had yeah, to win that. With the last kick yeah, of the game. with the last kick. That was, in terms of, I missed the Kelly game, the 5-3. Rangers 5 each was obviously unbelievable entertainment. But <coughs> that two all match against Celtic was was probably the most heart racing 10 minutes of the season for me yeah definitely and I think that it kind of plays into a wider thing as well where you know obviously we've had seasons where we've performed really well and been playing really exciting football but I can't really remember you know a season or or certainly a longer period where 
you know, when people are talking about the most exciting games of the season, almost every single one features Hibs. You know, we've had our last, I mean, our last two home games of the season, we scored 10 goals and conceded eight, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, that's absolutely insane. Um, some of the, like, yeah, the Celtic game, the 5 all against Rangers, the 5-3 against Kilmarnock. Yeah, yep. the Aberdeen game where we won 2-0 here um, was a really entertaining game to watch. Even the one we lost one now at Aberdeen yeah, Easter Road was, was a, a, was a, a really good game. game. Yeah. And it, it has been, again, you know, I think people might look back in, in five, ten years' time or, or longer um, and look at some of the results we had this this season and, you know, if they weren't there, I'm sure they, they wish they were. Yeah, um, so touch on cup competitions now then, um, the League Cup. I... Uh, I really enjoyed the group stage of the League Cup. Um, yeah, I think I, it's been a, a good addition, to be honest. Uh, it's, I'm not going to say that I'm sad that we're not in it this season coming, but it's it's something that I'm quite happy to see every season if you don't make it into Europe. Um, we got to the semi-final. It was a really good cup run that you kind of forget about because it, it was so early on in the season. And I think whilst all the talk towards the end of the season was about Brian Porteous and Ollie Shaw coming through, the you forget how good Fraser Murray, Simon mm. Murray, and Martin Boyle linked up in those group stages, and I'd, all right, we lost the Celtic in the semi final, but it's a, a good cup run. Yeah, um, it's again, you know, it's it's one of those where you almost forget that we we were handed this season because of everything else that went on around it. Um, but yeah, the, really entertaining. Um, I even enjoyed going up to Dingwall on a Friday night to watch us uh, lose nil nil. Um, yeah, yeah <laughs> that game uh, still somehow come out of a nil nil draw with a defeat. But at least that penalty shot meant something. Uh, early stage cup games here, you know, hammered Montrose and hammered Arbroath and hammered Air United even in the, the yeah, round after that. Even, yeah. Um, and while it's probably not the best for, for fans of those teams, it's always entertaining to, to go along and watch your team score four, five, six goals a game. I think those teams um, would be grateful for for the income. And yeah, exactly. I think and fans of clubs like Hibs, we like the chance to tick off more stadiums on our yeah, exactly. ground sheets. And, you know, um, even going away to, to Aloha and, and places like that is, you know, like you say, it's at least it's one more off the list. Signing off with a win as well. It was it was you know good to be there, beat what was you know Livingston side that got promoted and yep. even in the the semi final against Celtic you know we come two 0 down we look dead and buried but we somehow come back and, and make a game of it and make it exciting. Um, Ollie Shaw must wish he plays against Celtic every week yeah. at this stage. Um, but I think I, I think as a general sort of a point the group stage has been a, a really useful addition. Um, it's certainly better than. I think going and watching umpteen pre-season friendlies, um, it's nice to have something riding on a lot of the games, um, even if they are, you know, against teams that are further down the league pyramid. Um, and yeah, obviously, I don't, uh, I'm not envious of the teams that are in it this year. I'd much rather be in in Europe, um, for however long that is. Um, but you know, it's it's one of those things where, even if the end of next season we are in that position where we're going to be in the group stage I'm certainly not you know dreading it yeah I think even that early on in the season it was it gave you a kind of measure of what was to come we went to Ross County we, we, we were better than Ross County and mm. um, we just didn't have the the firepower up front at that point in Alloa to go there and 
I think it was it was three now. Yeah. And it was so comfortable, it was so routine and that was a stadium that just two, it, three it years felt, before it you'd struggled, so you felt that that it was felt, us back at a level. Yeah, that kinda of felt like a sort of graduation point that um you know, having watched many painstaking trips to Aloha um, yeah. over the past couple of years. Uh season ruining trips to Aloha. Knee ruining trips to that, that cup um, game. I, I know we won, but I don't think I've ever been wetter at a football match than yeah. the Scottish Cup win over Alloa there. And then the the, the Scottish <coughs> Cup. All right, we'll we'll just kind of tiptoe around we'll that. Over that. We're yeah, in it. we were there. It was a, a disappointing result against Hearts. A game that if it had happened a week later, probably yeah. would have been a hell of a lot different. And uh, probably the only point of the season where there was a panic amongst the support would that be fair to say um, and I think because there was a shock factor that we'd lost to Hearts for the first time in 9 or 10 games and I think everyone had just forgotten how that felt Yeah, I mean I wasn't at the game in, at Tynecastle um, over over the Christmas period um, but from, Neither was it Linesman Yeah, that's true um, You know Hearts were in the game previous to that at Easter Road, Hearts were awful Um they were really bad, um, to the point where you're almost frustrated that we only won one nil. Um, but and it's never nice to lose a derby. Um, it's never nice to to be going into whatever office you're going into the next uh, day and you know having to sit near Hearts fans and you know listen to them. I bet it's the same for fans of any team. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Um, a lot of the Hearts fans in my work are sick of me by now. To be honest with you. I'm sure a lot of the Hibs fans were as well, to be honest. It seems <laughs> just to just be a recurring theme. Just from Glasgow, you're yeah. safe from all of this. I don't um, worry about anyone. But, you know, that was the only sort of, you're right, kind of lull in the season where we thought maybe things aren't going quite as well as we expected. But then off the back of that, we only lose, what, one game between, or two games between the, um, yeah, there, the end of the season, that, which yeah. is, you know, incredible considering that game was at the end of January. So let's remind ourselves of some of the best bits from the rest of October up until the end of February. To Simon Murray, decent ball, chance for Martin Boyle, can he get there ahead of the keeper? He does, Boyle will score and hits on a goal ahead! Not great work it has to be said by Motherwell defensively, Martin Boyle doesn't care, he got there ahead of Trevor Carson and had the easiest task to roll the ball into the net from the edge of the six-yard box and after 27 minutes, Hibs have the lead here at Club Park, Motherwell nil, Hibs won. And a header down there from Broadfoot has just been picked up by Vikintas Slivka. Martin Boyle, he's done well, he's dribbling forward, he's broken away from the edge of the area. Martin Boyle makes it 3-0. The Bernian have just hit Kilmarnock with an absolute sucker punch. Martin Boyle profiting there from a defensive error, getting into the box. And he's just made sure that Jamie McDonald's come off his line and he's just tucked that ball neatly underneath Jamie McDonald to make it. Hibernian free, Kilmarnock nil, here in injury time at Rugby Park. Parker's done well, he'll find Lewis Stevenson on this near side. Stevenson forward for Stokes, Stokes turns, goes for the front, the, a lovely ball through for Stevenson. Ball across, can Hibbs get the shot away, Ollie Shaw, he does, he scores! Ollie Shaw breaks Hibbs level! Unbelievable from Hibbs, what a ball from Stokes to Stevenson! He plays the ball into the path of Ollie Shaw and with 78 minutes gone, it's Hibs 2, Celtic 2. Playing now for Slivka. Does well to get to the byline. Can he whip the ball over? It's false for John McGinn. McGinn can't turn, get the shot away. He does, John McGinn scores! Hibs have the lead here at Dens Park. 
Nerves of steel required though for Jamie McLaren. Jamie McLaren up against Wes Fodderingham with the penalty. McLaren right footed into the back of the net. Jamie McLaren opens his account for Hibbs. And straight after Rangers equalise, Jamie McLaren restores Hibbs' lead. Rangers 1, Hibbs 2. Finds its way to Martin Boyle. Scott Allen, edge of the 18-yard box. Twists, turns, Paul Hanlon. Left foot, breaks for Camperi. Gets the shot and it's in the back of the net as well. Hibbs lead by two goals to nil. Scott Allen, lovely ball into the path of Paul Hanlon. His shot was blocked into the path of Florian Camperi. And the Swiss... Makes no mistake, two goals in three games, Hibs two, Aberdeen nil. That's Cups. Um, okay, what's your biggest what if moment of the season? <sighs> what if Ollie Shaw's goal that gets is the given? one that sprang to mind for me straight away as well. What if Ollie Shaw's goal be given? Or what if Effie Ambrose didn't injure Craig Gordon yeah. at the end of January exactly. that led and to the... Sets events in motion that cannot be undone. Scott Allen would never have came back to Hibs yeah. if Effie Ambrose hadn't done Craig Gordon at Parkhead. I secretly think Effie knew what he was doing. <laughs> I secretly think Effie has powers and he can see into the future. He's, he's that cool. And th- he's that's styled just it out. Like, yeah, yeah, he's just thought this through. Tell you what, Sergio Ramos is taking a kick in right now. But if people knew what Effie Ambrose did, <laughs> if people knew the chain of events he set in motion. Well, the thing is, if Liverpool pip ahead of us and sign Scott Allen now because Mo yeah. Salah's out injured for a while, then Ramos has done us as well. He has. He has. Right, okay. Your biggest surprise of the season? Having a Rangers player sent off at Ibrox against us? That good doesn't shout. happen very That's often. A good shout. Um, I don't know, to be honest. There's been quite a lot of surprises this season, to be honest. Um, Stokes exit in January? Yeah, Stokes exit in January, but I I suppose by the time he actually went, it maybe wasn't quite as much of a surprise. Um, I don't know. Scott Allen coming back. Yeah. I don't think anybody would have foreseen that at the start of the season. Scott Allen, not only Scott Allen coming back, but Scott Allen coming back. As Scott Allen. Yeah. Yeah. This is a guy that... I, I, he wasn't really getting a game for Dundee. I should have read that Neil McCann was playing him at right back a couple of games or yeah. one game. So, although I don't think there's much that can explain why Neil McCann does <laughs> things that Neil McCann does. He was he's too busy trying to fight Tommy Wright. Yes. Really plan to that. But yeah, for Scott Allen coming back and then his, day, was, his first yeah. game's Ibrox wins a penalty. Absolutely Strolls rinses it. Rangers. Yeah. They loved it. Yeah, loved they, every moment. They of it. hated him more than they previously did within about half an hour of that game so uh, yeah that's uh, that's a, a nice pleasant surprise yeah it was I mean I think it has been it has been a season Flo Canberry as well Canberry, his impact yeah yeah I think all the January sign-ins were were a nice surprise um, even the one who signed and left in the same window was a surprise but you know it's good to have nice surprises for a change best opponent in terms of team and individual Ooh. team just because they provided something much more entertaining than I thought it was going to be probably Kilmarnock um, came out at the end of the season I think um, obviously I'm, I'm biased and think that Neil Lennon should win manager of the year but um, I think Steve Clark's a very good uh, shout as well um, I think he probably deserves it to be honest uh, Kilmarnock have been probably the surprise package of this season or, or definitely the surprise package of this season I think they've got some some quality players and I think when they're all on song they are a very good team. I like the fact that, you know, they came here and just obeyed our rules of abandoning defending. 
Um, yeah. It made for a much more entertaining game. There's, there's two games that spring to mind where I think we've been properly not. It's not even been that Hibs have been poor. That just the the opposition have been that good. Mm-hmm. And one of which was the four one defeat at Petardry yeah. in December, and the other one was the two all draw at Rugby Park when we went two 0 up early doors. Yeah, and then Kelly just they battered us. But yeah, and, and and the Aberdeen one, Aberdeen were good um, on that day, and and they were very good. But I think we kind of didn't help ourselves um, in that game. Whereas Kilmarnock were just good. They were just a very good side. Not often that you get to sort of admit that and, and sit back and say, well, actually, they probably deserve to win that game and we got away with, with a point, even though we were 2-0 up. Um, I think what's encouraging as well from a kid, not to turn this into a Kelly podcast all of a sudden, yeah. but they're tying players down that you would expect mm. to see them to go. Moving on, yeah. And it, it can only be a good thing for Scottish football that Steve Clark's shown no signs of going anywhere, Neil Lennon's shown no signs of going anywhere. I think there's been paper talk today of Paul Lambert being linked with mm. St Mirren. Um, so it's and obviously regardless as to how we feel about Rangers, Gerard brings a whole new spotlight to yeah. Scottish football. And I mean that's the thing, you know, if, if everybody's firing on all cylinders at the same level, you know, it creates a culture where that becomes the the standard, and that's good for the whole game. The likes of Kilmarnock, Motherwell, even the likes of, of Hamilton being better or becoming better. Um, and, and St Mirren coming back into the league um, and, and being better forces the likes of Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen to be better, which in turn forces you know teams further up the pyramid to be better, which in turn forces the entire national team to be better. Yeah. Um, I do believe there is a kind of pyramid to that, and there is a kind of cause and effect. And and like you say, you know it's it's better for the wider game if a lot of the teams are are playing well and a lot of teams are playing with confidence. And I think towards the end of the season, we were seeing that we're particularly in the top six you know mostly everybody was playing with confidence mostly everybody was playing a relatively you know a decent standard of football a couple of teams playing a really attractive standard of football as well um and i mean even you know for teams in the bottom half i'm sure they would agree it was very competitive yeah. in, in that bottom half as well um in fact that relegation went to the last day um and even the playoffs themselves you know from, from what we've seen from that and um, even below that, in, in seeing you know what is a good St Mirren side coming up, and a St Mirren side who have done so well that their their manager has been attracted to what is a relatively big job down south, yeah. um, that two or three of their players are being touted for you know going for millions. Louis Morgan's already gone for I think at the close to about a million pounds. Um, <clears throat> you already said there, Paul Lambert potentially you know effectively swapping the Premier League in England for the Premiership in Scotland. You look at Livingston. Playing four games and going up and and beating Party Thistle, who've been in the Premiership for what five or six it was years. Five, I think. Um, but it wasn't even just that. I think the play. I'm not going to say the playoffs were getting stale, but that there hadn't really been a close yeah. contest. Bar obviously ourselves a few years ago. There seemed to be a sort of a kind of I won't say a glass ceiling, but like a, a plateau uh, that teams had reached where they'd get to the the relegation playoff, and you know they just couldn't quite take that final step. Um, whether it was just fatigue for to play, you know, two, three, yeah. four games before that, um, or it was just you know that t- that is the gulf you know between the two divisions. It's it's nice to see somebody sort of you know break that after a couple of years. 
And back onto the topic of Hibs and your favourite Neil Lennon gesture of the season. <laughs> um, this is advantageous because nobody can see us doing the gestures <laughs> on uh, this audio podcast. Uh, I mean, you know, I will admit that when Neil Lennon got the Hibs job at the start of last season, I was probably in the camp where I wasn't impressed. Um, I am happy and not at all embarrassed to admit now that I've kind of come full circle on him I think you know the fact that he has been a manager against us before um, and knowing the kind of character that he is it maybe did cloud a lot of fans opinion but I think seeing the passion that he has for this club the determination that he has to win and I think um, feeling you know the love and feeling the adoration of the supporters and, and reciprocating that in a lot of ways um it has, it has definitely sort of turned my opinion of him um, and I think it probably has turned the opinion definitely you know, of other Hibs fans who, yeah. who might have been in my position. Um, I enjoyed his uh, winding up of the Rangers fans at Ibrox probably more than I should have. Um, I enjoyed his winding up of the Hearts fans at Tynecastle probably more than I should have. I enjoy his winding up of fans up and down the country to be honest with you. Um, if you know he's getting under their skin by just standing on the touchline then fair enough to him. You know, yeah. He's cultivated that reputation, but I do not think anything will beat the airplane on the last day. No, see, I still prefer the... It wasn't even the cupping of the ears. It was <laughs> It was what was before the cupping of the ears at Ibrox in the second day of the season. The only thing I will say about that is that that was the first time I'd been at Ibrox with the club in a sort of yeah. media role. So we sat right in front of Rangers fans. And as he done that, I kind of... In my head, I'm going, that is amazing. Yeah. But I'm also going, no, <laughs> they'll throw stuff at me now. <laughs> it, it was that the atmosphere in that game was pretty um, intense. Like, I can't that remember. first 10 minutes yeah. is as loud as I've heard. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, you can say what you will about the Rangers fans, but they are very passionate and they're very loud. And like you say, you know, after Morelos scored, I think it was two oh, minutes it was or something. Two or three minutes, yeah. yeah. Um, he scores in that game. It, I thought the roof was going to come off the place. Um, you could all, you could quite literally sort of feel the stand shaking. Yeah. Um, and then for us to go in about what five ten minutes later, completely silence that. And I mean completely silence. Yeah. That. I mean when Simon Murray scores that goal, you know, you could have had a pin drop inside Ibrox. Um, it gets even quieter when we go what, two one three one up. Feeling the level is sort of an overwhelming seethe almost towards Neil Lennon from the Rangers fans. It did make me very proud to be a Hibs fan, to be yeah. honest with you. Um, in the same way that him running around doing the airplane on the pitch on the final day did make me kind of want to go and do it myself, to be honest. Yeah, it was It was just a kind of very fitting end to season. It would have been better if that was a winner or a yeah. goal that made it 6 now. But yeah. I think after after the season that we've all just enjoyed... There's nothing better than watching Neil Lennon get one over Rangers to kind of close the door on that campaign. Yeah, and I think it does. Um, it almost adds a new sort of uh, a new layer and a kind of new chapter to. You know, obviously there has always been rivalry between Hibs and Rangers, and obviously it's always been quite a passionate rivalry. But I think it's become over the past few years with us playing them in the Championship and you know beating them in the Cup final and then beating them on their own patch twice this season. It's become so much more vociferous, and it's mean. It means so much more yeah. to the Hibs fans. It's um, like a second derby. Now. It is like yeah. a second derby now. Um, it's 
been built up so much and, and hyped up so much every time it's it comes around. Um, and I think given our results this season, bar the defeat here at, in when was that what December? That was December. Yeah, yeah. Um, which although could be attributed to bad defending, there's also a huge slice of bad fortune about that as well. Um, you know, I think we have what Brandon Barker hit the post oh, twice. Hit the post where we absolutely, we absolutely pummeled them and just couldn't Bates, score. Handball Bates handball. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, given the results in bar that game against Rangers this season, we've handled it pretty well. Um, we have the bragging rights in that derby, if you want to call it that, at the moment. And yeah, it's um, yeah, you could, it's you credit could to Milan for handling that. You could see from their reaction and their way end at full time from that game in December. Yeah. That was like the highlight of their season. Yeah, up until especially yeah, up until that point as well. Because I, I suppose overall, it. I mean, the way they celebrated that, you know, I mean, I'm not really one for for saying, you know, they've celebrated that like a cup win. No, or like a last minute. Or like a last minute win at Partick Thistle. Yeah. Thistle. Um, you know, they did celebrate that like a cup win, and they did celebrate that like it was, you know, a defining win, um, which I think makes wins at Ibrox all the more sweeter yeah. in that way and, and the five all here all the more sweeter even though we were three up <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I've said it we would have said it with Danny after the game itself but that five all game if that was if it was any other team obviously with the exception of Hearts you would just be kind of sitting back after an hour and going oh this is a great game <laughs> yeah, this, this is, is really brilliant. entertaining Bruce Rangers so it's yeah. not now we can listen back to the best of the rest of the season from February onwards rolls it back to McGinn tips it forward in the direction of Cam Berry he's done well, flicks it in for Paul Hanlon lays it back for Scott Allen, it's in the back of the net Scott Allen scores Hibs have the lead and that's what it needed, just a wee bit of magic there, Lewis Stevenson plays the ball into Paul Hanlon tees it back for Scott Allen he saw the goalkeeper just a little bit off his line there and fizzies the ball into the far corner as we look at it and after 58 minutes, it's Hibs 1, Hearts 0. Holds it up, back to goal, nicely into the path of Allen, again for Stevenson. Forward now for Camberry, Hibs playing. One touch passes at the end of the Hamilton, edge of the Hamilton penalty area, McGeoch to Camberry, back to McGeoch, he's inside the box, nice ball. Camberry shoots, great finish from Paul Camberry! Absolutely wonderful build-up from Hibs there, Danny. Seven or eight passes... One touch passes between McGeoch, Allen, Stevenson, Camberry, and the Swiss buries it in the bottom right hand corner. That was a patient build up and what a finish. Whitaker stabs that one forward for McGeoch. Boyle's taken off outside him. Played forward now for Boyle. Hikes it up the touchline into the path of Camberry. He gets there ahead of Boyata. What can he do now? Camberry, it's a great ball, it's Sleepka! The kid to Sleepka knocks the ball into the net! And Hibs lead by two goals to nil. Wonderful work between Boyle and Camberry there. And the kid to sleep to stoops at the near post. And Hibernian have a two-goal lead. Hibs two, Celtic nil. Three on three, Barker's inside the 18-yard box. Can he get the shot away? Brandon Barker. He finishes the game for Hibernian. And executes a perfect knee slide as well. Ryan Porteous take note. <laughs> and James Keatings if you're listening Hibs 5, Gilly 3 brilliant work from Brandon Barker there Barker will drive towards the byline Ghosts past Tavernier chance here, it's in the net and it's a hat-trick for Jamie McLaren <laughs> and Hibs are all square 
and there's still a couple of minutes left here, Danny. This ain't finished yet. Neil Lennon enjoyed that one. A favourite song from the Terraces this season? I'm not sure I can sing it. Um, is it does it start Tony Mowbray? It does. I, it does. I'm all for like, nostalgic kicks, <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll admit that was the first one that it's, came in my head. It's brilliant to, for that to be brought back. Um, you know, after what an absence of what, 15 years almost, Something just like about that, yeah. that. You know, I'm just I'm delighted to see it back. Well, we're, we're just really proud of what he's doing at Blackburn Rovers <laughs> we are, this season. We are. Uh, him, him and Mark Venish, yeah, you know, they are uh, they're a fantastic management duo regardless of anybody else who may or may not be involved in that song um, it's yeah it's nice to see it back nice to see it back yeah. at the club I, I think it's been nice I think Collins touched upon it a few times sitting with us at games that it must be the first time that near enough every Hibs player has their own song <laughs> yeah and, and, and it's, it's they're all set to like a different Motown or Funk and Soul thing that Nile Rogers wrote at some stage. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll get turned into a song about Louis Stevenson and Yeah. I mean even guys that we've signed on that we signed on loan and had only played three or four games had a song by you know it was almost as if it was like right, he's had five touches of the ball now and put one in the back of the net. Yep. So he has to have a song. I'm sure someday in that singing section just goes through like the now that's why I call music CDs. Yeah, and they just watch the game and see what ties in with maybe now forty three and go right that works. Cindy Lauper, that is that's the challenge. If, if we're going, to, if we're just going to throw it's a challenge, Cindy, to the Cindy Lauper challenge. We want we go for girls just want to have fun. Uh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. So that is it's singing section of listening. We want a song to the tune of girls just want to have fun. I have no idea why that's the first song that came in my head. Maybe because that's what we're going to do after this. Um, yeah that's a great challenge right so looking ahead to next season um, Europa League draw is at the end of June we're seeded for the first qualifying round do you want glamour or do you want to go for it see I was in Ireland very briefly when Dundalk were in the Europa League group stages and I had a conversation with a Dundalk fan in a pub in Dublin and I can't remember a lot of it, but the bits of it I can remember, he said he was ecstatic to be in the group stages of it. Um, and he was ecstatic that they were playing, you know, Thursday, Sunday um, for part of the, the season. Um, and there was all this attention on Dundalk. But at the same time, he did mention the fact that I think the teams they got were Zenit St. Petersburg, AZ Alkmaar, and forget who the third team was but I don't think it was a, a giant of European football right, okay. um, I, I don't mean any disrespect to, to Zenit or AZ Altmar uh, both of whom have been in European finals and Do you mean no disrespect to the team whose name you can't remember as well? Yes, I do, I do mean that and you know, I'm sure they were good or bad maybe, I don't know, uh, we'll never know we'll never find out um, so there is kind of, there's a part of me that sees the appeal of making it all the way to the group stage, um, which I think is I sort of, I kind of depressed and sober and thought where it's not making it all the way to the final, it's making it all the way to the group stage. Yeah. What if, um, but you know, I suppose from the position we're starting off in, it is, it is an achievement to get through four rounds of qualifying. If we are to do that, I would demand at least one, you know, fairly big team. At the same time, because of the way the competition has been reorganised this season, uh, we get through one round of qualified and suddenly it's Sevilla and it's Red Bull Leipzig. Um, and it's, I think, Bordeaux are in there. Bordeaux, I think yeah, Atalanta yeah. are in there. Yep. 
even from a purely that would be a great trip abroad yeah. point of view Sparta Prague are in there <laughs> um, there's plenty of teams who are in there who you'd think we probably wouldn't win that but imagine imagine going um, and there is kind of a almost got a selfish part of me that does want that ask me after the draw yeah, <laughs> after the first round draw I, I because... get that because I, I change my mind all the time with this because yeah. I think back to Bromby mm. and how close we were to, to getting past Bromby um, and that was Neil Lennon working with that team for six weeks Yeah. so and with Neil Lennon's European pedigree he took Celtic out the Champions League group stages obviously there's that famous win over Barcelona I look at the first qualifying round and I think I want local I want Wales yeah. or Northern Ireland and then I look at the I second and I just kind of my eyes just keep getting drawn to Seville. Yeah. And I, and I know we should want, I think, Dundalk are one of the seeded mm. teams. And there'll be teams that we haven't heard of who are probably technically very sound, as I'm sure Aberdeen have found out in yeah. the last few years at, at this stage of the competitions. And I think, well, do, we, do, do I want to take a risk of getting put out by a team from Azerbaijan? Or do I just yeah. want to go and watch Hibs play in Seville? Yeah, and that's the kind of thing, because I'm sure from the other side of that, there are teams in Azerbaijan who are probably looking at us and thinking, nah, we'll take the Scottish team in the first round. So it is a, it's an opportunity to go and, you know, show um, show some teams in Europe what we're made of. Yeah, you know, in the same way that we are looking at teams like, you know, I think it's Balatown and, and uh, Connors. Why is it Connors Key? Connors Key Fantastic Nomads. Um, I don't know where Connors Key is. I don't know if Connors Key is even the place. Um, I'm just going to assume it is. Apologies to the nomads. And uh, yeah, you know, it, I think everybody's looking at that one and going, that's the one we want. Battle through that. They still had to qualify. They still might be a technically decent outfit. Yeah, yeah, um, very true. But at the same time, you know, I think we, I think a lot of us are being guilty of looking around ahead. Um, it's still going to be tough in the, the first round, um, no matter who we play. Um, like you say, in the same way Aberdeen have found out over the past few years, and as Rangers found out to their cost last year, you can't take teams too lightly. Um, if they're from, you know, from so whatever Luxembourg, Luxembourg or Liechtenstein, yeah. you know, Lennon won't stand in a hedge. At least that's one thing we can be sure of. Well, well he won't be allowed to stand in the hedge. He'll be banned from the hedge. No. He'll have to stand, have to <laughs> stand, stand in the garden. The tree, yeah. the hedge. <laughs> I think as long as you're you're in Europe, you're allowed to to dream. And you know, what I think from fan to fan, it'll it'll differ. You know. There'll be plenty who are just looking for us to batter through the first round and then go away to Seville or to Leipzig and enjoy their four or five days <laughs> in a foreign country watching they remember how much of it they remember, see if they even come back with the same top scarf. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and, and there'll be plenty of others going, you know, well, we'll take three or four steady rounds, get to the group stage and have three guaranteed games to look forward to mm. under the lights. Would you take... You know, Getting way, way ahead of ourselves here, but would I take the final in back? <laughs> yes, I would. Yes, <laughs> would, I would. Would you take the would group t- stages if it was to potentially cost us a top six place? Seeing as the the schedule would be so manic. Yeah, I think I would because I think you, that way you know you're guaranteed what six games in the group yeah. stage plus I think it's I think eight. it's seven or eight million. It's worth. Yes, yeah, that's worth seven or eight million. But from a purely sort of you know more games under the lights and more games watching Hibs it's six games in the group stage I think it's eight games to actually get to the group stage from where mm-hmm. we are so that's what 14 games in Europe this season are in prospect um, I'd be quite happy with that yeah. I, I think you know the law of averages states at least one of those has to be an absolutely belt and trip away um, and at least one of those has to be one of the um, nights Easter Road under the lights people will be talking about um, for years to come it, the, I think this is the nicest stage to be in 
is you know what are we three weeks before the draw has been made just you know saying what if what if this happens and what if this happens and what if it's Seville and what if it's Leipzig I've I've just turned 30 and I've never seen a European night come close to Athens and Athens Athens was my first and we've had a few a good few since then between Intertotal Cups and Mm. UEFA Cups and nothing's come close to that night and I'm desperate to see a night like that at Easter Road again yeah it is one of my sort of my biggest kind of childhood memories has been at the Athens game and there are very few nights I can remember the the stadium feeling as electric as that. You know, there was a genuine energy that was going around the entire stadium of "We're going to do this. Yeah. We're going to do this. Just put it in the back of the net, Paco. We're going to do this." Um, there haven't been many nights that are, since then that have come close to that. Uh, certainly not in Europe. I actually thought Bronby a couple of years ago was a, a brilliant night. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to run, even though we got beat one nil. Um, I thought we played so well, and I even sort of remember watching the away leg in a pub in Portobello somewhere and believing that we were actually yeah. going to win and you know, we came very very close to I think that's one of the ones that often gets lost in, in the kind of shuffle um, of you know Hibbs recent European history is that was a good result in Denmark a result there, uh, yeah, to actually huge. go and, and you know beat Bronby on their own ground admittedly we then were on penalties I mean this was what this was a team that's I think they finished what second in Denmark the year before they're a very good team yeah, they're playing good second European in, pedigree yeah, and all that yeah. you know, they finished second in a league where Copenhagen are in the Champions League every year or every couple of years or so. So it's often I think that result often gets lost. I, I mean, I suppose, you know, we're coming right off the cup final then, so anything seemed like a yeah. great result. But yeah, um you kind of you, those are the nights you live for, really. Um you don't get a trophy for reaching the group stage. You don't get a trophy for going out in the second round. If you can go and, and make some memories and if we go out in the second round with a six nil defeat in Seville but there's five, six thousand Hibs fans there enjoying themselves. I'm sure they'll remember that for the rest of their lives. A quick five-question quiz for you. I Just, will get all of these wrong. I, I can already tell I'll get all I of these wrong. I think you'll get them right because it wasn't the most extensive research that I put into this. I'm <laughs> not trying to trip you up. On this on this podcast? <laughs> Surely not. No, I've written it down on my pad whilst sitting in the sunshine. I will open it up with Jermaine Pennant, Brian Graham, and Davidas Machovicius all oh, yeah. scored one goal each this season. Who did they score their goals against? Jermaine Pennant scored against Dunfermline. He did. Machovicius scored against Air United. He did. Brian Graham scored against Montrose. Was Montrose? Um, it was yeah, it was a penalty. I forgot, I forgot that Jermaine yeah. Pennant was even a trialist here until the club put out the goal summary video. Yeah, and he scored against Dunfermline. And yeah, I, yeah, remember that? That remember Luke Berry? <laughs> <laughs> this was less than a year ago, and oh, all these yeah. transfer sagas. Um, so question two: um, Who were the two Hibs players that missed? Penalty kicks in the shootout against Ross County. Oh, that's an unfair question. I feel like uh, Ollie Shaw. Sh- Ollie Shaw missed the decisive penalty. Yeah. Oh, I have absolutely no idea. Take a punt and say Paul Hamlin. No, it was Stephen Whitaker. Mm. Uh, third question: How many games out of eighteen did we lose against bottom six teams this season? Uh, we lost against St Johnston here and Hamilton here 
It's a horrible question, why did you ask it? <laughs> and, and we lost against... No, that was the only games we lost, wasn't it? It was that two. Was it, it that, was two. <laughs> that was more a question as to show how impressive yeah. the form against bottom six We only were. lost... I think Celtic were the only team that lost less games than us last season. Yeah, that, yeah, uh, I yeah, looked at that earlier. Lost, what, yeah. Six or seven games, I think. It was I think. six or seven. Yeah. But considering that we're supposed to be a side that kind of slips up against yeah. the quote-unquote lesser teams, I found that very impressive. Yeah, it's very impressive, yeah. Um, question four. What team did John McGinn score a header against? He scored a header against Kilmarnock on Halloween. He did, in the 3-0 win. The 3-0 win, a game that I wasn't at. <laughs> you weren't. I, that, was, that was the game where I done commentary on social media that was, that was an experience it was, yeah. really, uh, it was really something David Gray if you go back and watch the the highlights of that on Hibs TV had two phenomenal assists that day he like, did it was David Gray channeled his inner Danny Alves for that match <laughs> yeah I'd like to see him get this sort of uh, the tattoos that Danny Alves has got well we're working them over the summer yeah, yeah. Uh, final question what stadium or stadiums did we score the most goals at away from home this season? We didn't score a lot of goals away from home this season, did we? We scored, what, five at Ibrox? And we scored some goals elsewhere. We scored five at Ibrox and we scored five at one other ground. Oh, Rugby Pugby. We did, yep, Rugby Park, which again, I just thought was dead impressive, considering yeah. that Ibrox is obviously not the easiest place in the world to have a go and Rugby Park were, was the home of the darlings of Scottish football for a lot of yeah. that season. A difficult pitch for that That 3-0 one, I think only in hindsight you realise just how impressive a result that 3-0 win was at Rugby Park in October. We kind of almost um, I would say we got away with it because we beat Gilly here, you know a couple of months later, but I think that was like it was just after Steve Clark had taken yeah, over. He probably was, he hadn't had enough like a chance yeah. to have a good look at his team, so he kind of stole in and took they, her three points. There. They looked decent. That was like the first make it. I remember they got a really good reception off the home crowd at the end yeah. of the game. Yeah, they did. They did play well in that um, game because they had a couple of Marciano. Marciano had a few really good saves. saves yeah. Best Marciano save of the season. Oh, he had a lot of good ones. There was, there was Chris Boyd he saves a couple from in that game. Yeah, that were really good. He had. There was one at Dens Park. Dens Park, yep. an unbelievable save. I think it was one in the Derby, in the Cup Derby from Mitchell. Mitchell sort of catch it on the volley. Yep. Um, it's an incredible save. I've got that one against Hearts, I think. Uh, Just to wrap it up, we've already said that there's, I think, 10,500, 11,000 yeah. season ticket holders. I think, I can't imagine there'd be many people swithering, but if there was anyone swithering, what would be your message, James Delaney? <laughs> I think there'd be plenty of people who watched on TV this season and they haven't been able to make a game followed it however they follow it um, and, and been genuinely excited to be a Hibs fan at this point um, there are plenty of people who came and saw it and have been excited this season and um, have you know, like me had one of the best seasons of their, their lives um, the only way that that sort of keeps going is if people keep backing the team um, and if the team perform the way they have this season people will keep backing them so early predictions for next season um I'll throw one out straight away. Ryan Porteous will be a first-team regular in Hibs defence. Yeah, I watched the Toulon tournament game um, the other day. Uh, Ryan Porteous played centre-half and he, he got off to a little bit of a rocky start, but he made a couple of really good tackles and a couple of really good blocks and interceptions. Um, I think it's easy to forget that he's, he's still quite young and he's still very young. Um, but 
his performances last season against Rangers, he was absolutely outstanding. I thought he was our man of the match that day. Um, against Kilmarnock at Rugby Park, he, he gets up and gets a goal, and I thought he had a good game in, in that game as well. Um, obviously, here in the early stages of the League Cup, he had a couple of really good games. The future is definitely bright with him, and it'd be nice to see him get a few more um, a few more opportunities. Um, obviously, he's he's going up against at the moment three very good uh, very good centre halves in Effie Ambrose, Paul Hanlon, and Darren McGregor, all of whom have you know rightfully justified their place over the course of the season. But I mean, I think you can tell from from Ryan Porteous, you know, just by watching him play, that his his work ethic is second to none. He's definitely going to fight for a first team place, and I'm sure, you know, I wouldn't be alone in in saying that. I'm delighted to see him in the uh, in the first team picture yeah, this season. I think him and him and Ollie Shaw will become mm-hmm. fairly regular fixtures. And when you think about that, we're expecting players to leave as of kind of when we're recording this. There's been no transfer activity whatsoever. Um, but there's obviously a few that people are expecting to go but I don't think it's as big a rebuild as people seem to be suggesting mm. um, we'll know that if we can't get the loan guys back they'll need replaced given that the Europa League's only what seven or eight weeks from now there should be enough there to certainly negotiate the first qualifying round yeah and we have to see who has a good World Cup as well yep, I think obviously that's it. Um, that's it. no um, I mean yeah, I think one of the things that you know it's, it's kind of easy to forget is that every time there has been the need for a rebuild here, you know, it's often been under the sort of guise of, uh, well, you don't know if there's going to be the money for it, and you don't know if there's going to be you know the budget to allow this and you know allow for that player to come in. You have to have this player leave first. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, we don't know what the financial side of things at the club are, um, but the infrastructure is here, the stadiums here. The support is here. I think we're up to what about eleven and a half thousand season ticket Something sales now yeah. um, already, and we're not even out in May. You know, this, the fans this season have been absolutely fantastic. Um, when we've needed them to turn out in numbers, they have, and they still made it. You know, easy for the players to to cope and easy for the players to pick up. I think that kind of, you know, it frames the quote unquote rebuild differently. I think it um, definitely to me suggests that it's a club on the up. Obviously, there are going to be, you know, departures. There are going to be players who we might be expecting to come back, or maybe expecting to keep who, who will go, and they will need to be replaced. But I think the club's in a very good position to do that. I, I don't think you know we necessarily need a rebuild. Um, I think we need, to, you know, freshen the squad up a bit. But I think we've got the right manager in place and the right boardroom staff in place to to make that happen and, and make that work for us. So that'll do us for this season for the final whistle podcast. If you're bored, the World Cup's not doing it for you and you're missing Hibs, you can catch up with some of the older episodes here from this season on SoundCloud, YouTube or iTunes. Extended highlights from all this season's Hibs games as well as a huge archive of other classics and old DVDs are all on Hibs TV if you want to subscribe. There's over 12,000 season tickets already sold at the time I'm recording this, so get yourself along to the ticket office to ensure you're part of the action next season. And that's us until the end of June, I suppose. Uh, My thanks to James Delaney for joining me for this roundup show. A huge thanks to you again for listening. And join us next season for more of The Final Whistle.